This Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. Presented by Abe's Door Service. With 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. Right, 606 on this Monday morning. Thanks for joining us. You can get a hold of us anytime at 780-496-0063. You've only been saying the number for like for 10, 10 years. years. Um, yeah, I don't know why I double clutched there. But um, <laughs> you know, I think one of the things I was thinking about, you know, we talk about food a lot. We talk about restaurants a lot, mm-hmm. kind of the places that we like to go, that sort of thing. If you have a favorite place, let us know. Again, I just gave you the text line. But there's a new guide out um, called Where We Ate, a field guide to Canada restaurants past and present Mm -hmm. looking at 150 restaurants over the past many years that shaped the way that we eat um, and really kind of define that food culture across the country. Yeah, and the people who brought it. Yeah. And so it's a story of Canada. It's yeah. a story of, of immigration. It's a story of how we got from point A to point B. So this book is by Gabby Payton and it, it's really cool because it goes through each chapter is a different sort of decade or time period. So everything from before Confederation, then you get into Confederation in 1910, then, then decade by decade. But I could tell you more about it, but why don't we uh, why don't we talk with the author? Doesn't that make a little bit <laughs> more sense? Because she's joining us on the phone this morning. Gabby Payton is the author of Where We Ate, a field guide to Canada's restaurants past and present. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Hi, Gabby. Great to talk with you. So w- w- tell us just, uh, you know, the genesis of this book. Like w- w- you sat down and think, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. First off, a heck of a lot of work obviously <laughs> went into it. But where'd you come up with the idea? Uh, well, really it started, I was writing a column for the Food Bloggers of Canada website about the origin stories of all these Canadian foods, like how poutine was invented, how donairs came to be, where ginger beef comes from. And as I was doing that, I was seeing all these great stories about people who immigrated to Canada, opened up a restaurant, and, you know, all these different immigration waves. So I, I wanted to kind of document that and show that and how different trends changed over time. And so where did you start? Because <laughs> this is such a daunting task in my mind. Like, where, where, where is, you know, part one? Well, really, honestly, narrowing down the 150 restaurants is probably the hardest part. Mm -hmm. I think I had 400 initially as I was going through research, and I chatted with historians and food writers all over Canada just to get an idea of what they thought, you know, those institutions, those favorite places were for them. And uh, my editor kind of laughed in my face and said, absolutely not. It's not an encyclopedia. We can't have 400 restaurants. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I narrowed it down to 150. Uh, And then, yeah, so those ones that were kind of pivotal in kind of shaping what we eat and where we eat it. Let's talk uh, specifically, let's get into Alberta a little bit because um, I love this and certainly, you know, Edmonton. Um, One of the things, and I I have not ever heard of this one, but Johnson's Cafe, uh, this was was a a big deal in Edmonton for a long time. And, you know, the time time wise is obviously I wasn't around uh, at that time. But yeah, tell us about Johnson's Cafe and why it made the list. Uh, Well, Johnson's Cafe was open from the 20s until the early 60s. Um, It was on the corner of Jasper Avenue and 101st Street. uh, And it kind of became a really important meeting place. They had this clock that was like, you know, from Shamrock uh, Cigarettes, actually. Um, But it was a really important meeting place. So lots of people would go there. It was a really important cafe opened by a Greek immigrant, actually. Uh, And so it just became kind of that, like, a really important landmark for a lot of people. And actually, there's still a clock there. It is office buildings now, but there's still a a little clock there. (laughs) I've been on Google Maps and asked 
people about it. Uh, <laughs> but it was a it was a very important meeting place uh, in Edmonton in that period of time. Well, it's interesting that it was the meeting place, not necessarily the food. Yeah, well, yeah, it's interesting because I think so many restaurants, I think, uh, are become community hubs and community spaces. And really, you know, it's about going out and being with, you know, your fellow neighbor and enjoying time together with your family or friends. That is as important as the food, for sure. Tell us about the steak loft. The steak loft, which supposedly uh, might have been the, the precursor to something else we might be more familiar with. Yeah, so a, a guy named Mitch Klimov opened up a steakhouse uh, in the early 1950s, and he apparently was really uh, good friends with High, who invented High's or who founded High Steaks, which is now, you know, across Canada, a, a really important steakhouse. Um, so he kind of was the one who opened up the first kind of fancy steakhouse, and it was like kind of the place to be, be seen. Um, but yeah, so it, uh, the word is that High was kind of inspired by him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think people... Um, you know, if you know a little bit of background um, about Boston pizza, you're like, oh, wow, the roots uh, are, are here. But for those who might not be aware, it is. I mean, it is it is Edmonton. It is Alberta. And of course, it's North America now. But I mean, Boston pizza, you know, happened right here. Yeah, it's so funny. You know, I think it was also founded by a Greek immigrant, Gus Egyotrius, um, which is so fascinating. I mean, Greek immigrants across Canada kind of have this really important uh, contribution to pizza culture that a lot of people don't know about. So, yeah, this guy, Gus, opened up uh, the first Boston pizza. It was called Boston Pizza and Spaghetti House back then. Uh, and then a young Jim Trevling. Uh, went in and tried pizza for the first time in the 60s and uh, yeah the rest is history he kind of he kind of ran with it and now it's everywhere now you tell you tell a story that Jim Trey living when he went in to try it had no (laughs) idea how to eat it and I was trying to think because apparently people were not familiar with pizza uh, back in the in in the in the late 50s or early 60s and I just didn't believe that so I apologize for having (laughs) doubts but I did go and look and yeah apparently the you know it wasn't until the 50s and 60s that it started to be become popular. It shocked me. No, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, they actually had menus at Boston Pizza <laughs> kind of like showing you how to eat it <laughs> with your hands wow. and not use a knife and fork. <laughs> funny. Do we ever know why it was called Boston Pizza? Well, you know, it's really funny. There's kind of the, all these little, like, you know, ur, you know, urban legends about how he kind of came to, like, come to the name. He initially had other options. He wanted Santorini pizza or Athens pizza, you know, <laughs> something more along his lineage. But he really apparently loved the Boston Bruins. Uh, and so he went with Boston pizza, and that's how it became. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <sighs> One of the things that people talk about when you think about food in Edmonton is, like, okay, if you had to pick an Edmonton food, yeah, what would it be? Symbolic. Of Edmonton. And green onion cakes come up often. Tell us the story about the green onion cakes, how they arrived here in the Happy Garden Restaurant. Happy Garden Restaurant um, was opened by a man named Hugh Toe, uh, and he immigrated here in the early, late, late 70s, early 80s, and, and opened up Happy Garden Restaurant. Uh, and really, he, you know, he really loved green onion cakes, and, you know, they're they a very popular Chinese dish, but he really wanted to, you know, get it out there into the, you know, locals and get them eating them. So he would bring them to different markets and events and, you know, and kind of just kind of lure people in with the delicious smells and how good they were. Uh, and yeah, and now they are ubiquitous at Edmonton. They're everywhere. <laughs> yes, uh, can, can you hang on for a few seconds? We'd like to come back and talk with you a little bit more. I am still curious about some of the some of these national uh, restaurants 
that's sort of, uh, uh, you know, indicative of the fabric of the entire nation. So why don't we dive into a little bit of that as well as the local stuff. Thanks for sticking around. Back more with uh, Gabby Payton right here on This Morning with Jalen and Daryl. Door service, where service is their specialty. Proud sponsor of this morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. Gabby Payton is a food and travel writer, the author of Where We Ate, a field guide to Canada's restaurants past and present. We were talking about some of those ones, certainly in Edmonton, that have shaped this city's uh, food culture over the years. Johnson's Cafe, the Happy Garden Restaurant, Boston Pizza, the Steak Loft. Um, You know, Gabby, one of the things that uh, I I do love um, uh, about this and and one of the things that obviously you document and we've been touching on is, is how it's... The, the food culture has really been driven by immigration right here in, right across this country. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and that was one thing that I was kind of looking at, the waves of immigration as they changed after the First World War, Second World War, and that really influenced, you know, how we eat and what we eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff that when, when you were going back to sort of pre-Confederation or after Confederation, what you know? What kind of stories were you, were you looking to tell? What kind of stories maybe did you discover? Well, really, I wanted to kind of look at like what were restaurants actually like, you know, two hundred years ago, or like when Canada really didn't even exist yet. And you know, for the most part back then, it was very utilitarian. So people were just like, you know, they were traveling on the road, or you know, they needed a place to stay for the night, and that's where they were eating in restaurants. They weren't even really, you know, restaurants as we know them today. And it wasn't really until like you know the fifties and sixties that people actually kind of went out as a leisure activity or entertainment to eat in a restaurant. So it was more like <laughs> inn and lodging that kind of. Thing. Exactly. Taverns and inns along the roads and then along the railways. Obviously, the railway, those big grand railway hotels and mm. tons of them in Alberta um, that we know and love today were, you know, just kind of at that point, just like kind of stops along the way, but then became these gorgeous luxury places. You know what? And if we can just bring it back to Alberta for a second. Uh, I grew up in a small yeah. town. Lots of people grew up in small towns or have visited or whatever. And they, they, they are ubiquitous in Alberta, especially in the small towns, the local Chinese food restaurant. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. And, and, Every town had one. There was a family that had come in and created that. Uh, You sort of identify one family. Obviously, I I guess there could have been a whole bunch of them. Uh, But you talk about the Union Cafe in Pinoca. Uh, Why did that one grab your attention? kind of that that family's uh dedication uh to their cafe and you know when you know there were so many chinese immigrants that were that came here to help build the railway but then you know nobody really talks too much about what happened to those families afterwards (laughs) you know um but a lot of them set up shop you know in those railway towns and you know opened up restaurants uh so the the Poi family, sorry, um, opened up uh, their restaurant and, you know, they ran it for, you know, almost 50 years wow. uh, and were so dedicated to the, to their, you know, their patrons and people who were, you know, coming on the railways. That was 1918 they opened it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So the railway was only, you know, three or 30 or 40 years old, uh, years old at that time by the time it got all the way across <laughs> the country. So, Gabby, <laughs> when, you take a, when you take a look at the, the 150, I'm going to put you on the spot here. The 150, okay. I mean, we've gone over some of the ones in Edmonton and in Alberta, but if you were to take a look at that whole list, which one jumps out to you as the story for you? Maybe one that 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 is a real definition of, of the Canadian food culture. 
that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, choose your child. Um, Which one do you like best? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a couple that like have always stood out to me. Um, Union Baker's Dairy in Toronto has always stood out to me. It was a Jewish dairy, not a deli like Schwartz's. Um, and, you know, their family has been running that restaurant since they opened in the early 1900s. Uh, and, you know, and has moved all around Toronto with the Jewish community. And, you know, their story to me is, you know, you moved here, you opened up a restaurant. Um, Korean Village, also in Toronto, is that same story, um, you know. And I think that really represents kind of that Canadian dream. So many people moved here and, you know, needed to make ends meet. Uh, so they opened up a restaurant and then adapted foods, like ginger beef in yeah. Alberta, you know. Uh, you know, that is a it's an adaptation of a Chinese dish, but then became now, it is iconically Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think those ones are really important because they represent that kind of idea and, and represent our Canadian cuisine. Gabby, uh, so great talking with you this morning. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with, with all of us. And I uh, can't wait to dive in a little bit more into a field guide to Canada's restaurants past and present. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Gabby Payton joining us this morning. Uh, I remember doing a story like it was eons ago. It was just supposed to be a, a series about immigration and the impact that immigration had. And obviously food was going oh, to yeah. be one of them. And uh, this this restaurant is still operating in, in Edmonton, but back then there was only one location. I had no idea what Indian food mm. was like, right? Mm. I you know, the different curries coming yes. from a small town. There were no curry restaurants in, in Vermilion, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and there weren't an awful lot in Edmonton either. So back in the eighties. Then I, I got introduced to to Harmeet Kapoor, who started New Asian Village. Mm. This was a long time ago, and it was just the most. It was, it was about the culture. All his daughters were working in there. He had them all yep. in saris when I showed up with a TV camera. It was, it was it was just brilliant. To this day, that family is still running it. So talk about an entire family that, that makes that their life and their business. That's just another example. Well, now there's. Tons yeah, of yeah. Indian restaurants all through Canada oh, wow. and they're oh, through Edmonton. There might have been others at the time, but I only remember ever that one. Well, and I and I yeah, like you, you think about that, and I think of Yanni and, and the Greek y- restaurant, oh, yeah. Yanni's and Katuki, and yeah. oh my gosh, how many of us have <laughs> had yes, too much have. fun? Had too much fun in, in that place, and you know, opened them up and and what they spurred the other uh, restaurants that they opened up, and then they went down to Palm Springs and is mm. back again, right? I mean, boy, oh boy, but yeah. The 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 immigration story. I think that that is something that we don't really pay that much attention to and when we're thinking about yeah. these these restaurants. Absolutely. Well, you know, even on another level, there's the Burger Baron story. Yes. We talked to Omar Mualim yes. about the you know you know the Lebanese mafia, yes. the Burger Barons, and all that. And that's a fascinating story. And we again we've touched on that one. But yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. So I'm curious, Jedville, is there is there a a, a restaurant that you know of locally that has a great history that we mm. haven't talked about? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure. Sure you do. Maybe you don't. What about in Spruce Grove, the story of Jack's Drive-In? I don't know the story behind yeah. it. I just know that that place has been there forever. So. I saw downtown, so on the corner of Jasper and what is it? I don't even know, but going where you turn down to go into the Chateau Lacombe, there was a state in Maine there. Vaughn's oh, yeah. is now... Vons is now going back in there. Oh, okay. Which is interesting, yeah, right? Is Again, interesting. that's another, you know, great local story. By the way, I don't want to tell you what to do, Chedville. I don't, I don't, but I'm going to for <laughs> a second. Yes, we know about the Motorant. Why is it every time we mention food in, in this city, and especially on the show, 
the motorant comes up. What is that? Oh, you you haven't had that. What is that? You haven't been hit by that in the afternoon uh, when you're afternoons. Yeah, that was the mo. That was the truck. There was a truck down on along Jasper that the, it was it was like a great big RV. Oh my God! Now we're gonna have to tell the story again. Okay. Uh, to- well, we've got time. We'll do it. Coming yeah, we'll up, do okay? it. We'll, we'll dig up. The- All right. Fine. We'll tell the story of the motorant. Never heard of it. <laughs>